and final installment in the For Better or For Worse series that we started about a month ago. And if you're just tuning in for the first time, what we are doing is we are talking about five commitments that we are going to make in order to fail-proof our marriages. Because we decided that of marriages in our country, and we don't like the direction that marriages are headed into. So we're not talking about voting for someone to solve it. We're not talking about passing a law to solve it. We're talking about looking in the mirror and solving the problem. And if every one of us looks in the mirror and says, I refuse my marriage to go the same way as everybody else, then you know what? We're going to have to solve the marriage problem, at least for ourselves and as much as we can do. The reason this is so important and the reason why we need to talk about this is because I'll give you a little secret about marriage. Marriages usually take place between two people who are different. Does anybody know any married couple where the husband and the wife are exactly the same, think the same, they go about their days the same? I've discovered, at least this is my own personal experience, and I, I may be wrong on this one, but me and Marianne, we've kind of broken the world down into, there's two kinds of people. There's me and then there's Marianne. And every couple I've ever seen has a me and has a Marianne. And you can call them whatever it is that you want to call them and define them however it is you want to define them. But every couple, there's a me and there's a Marianne. Like, for example, we'll play a little game, all right? And we'll see if you guys can figure out with us and with you and... So every couple, there's like one person who is more punctual. One person who, you know, tends to, you know, be where they need to be on time. And there's another person who is, you know, more um, creative with their time, shall we say. <laughs> Those who are more punctual have to be married to a creative person, or as they describe themselves, laid back, okay? I mean, that's how we might describe ourselves, you never know which one of us it is. And the more you are on this side of that spectrum, I promise you, the more God is gonna put someone on this side to balance you. So in the end, the net sum is zero, okay? So that if you're a plus 10 on the punctuality and a minus, you'll marry a minus 10 on the punctuality. And Marianne hates it when I say pluses and minuses, but. Okay, left and right, whatever it is that you want to call it. All right, let's give you another one. How about, for example, like laundry? Some people think that dirty laundry goes in laundry baskets. They usually end up marrying people who think the entire room is a big laundry basket for them. <laughs> and it extends to towels, like anything can go anywhere that they want, all right? How about spending habits, all right? All right, some people, like savers, all right? And that's one I have no problem saying, I'm the saver, okay? I'm happy to be a saver. Any savers around here? People that, money is for saving, all right? How about the opposite side is, money is for spending. Who cares about saving? Live and let live. Raise your hand if you're a spender. You're very good. Collection basket right around those people, right around there. <laughs> very good, I love you guys, all right? You guys are with me, all right, very good. Bottom line is, marriage attracts opposites. And the stuff that's cute when we're dating isn't cute when you're married. Right? When you're dating, they say opposites attract. When you're married, they say opposites attack. <laughs> and that's why we are going through this series together because one of the most important things that someone taught me not so long ago, and it changed my view on a lot of things in life, all right, but especially in marriage, is that different isn't wrong. It's just different. And if you were both the same, one of you would be needless. 
One of you wouldn't need to exist. If both of you were exactly the same. And God puts us together not to change one another, but to complete one another. Not to change. That's all the problems in marriage. Is we try to change the one another. It's not to change one another. It's to complete one another. And that's why we're going through this series. And we're talking about changing our marriage by changing ourselves. And committing to five promises or five vows that we will keep. We're talking about it every single week. Alright, so by now you should have them memorized. Remind me again. The first commitment that we will keep in order to fail-proof our marriage. Say it aloud with me. We will seek God more than anything else because if God is not the foundation do all the other stuff communicate conflict resolution do all the other stuff if God is not the foundation of it all it ain't gonna work it'll work for a while but it ain't gonna work long-lasting and we will seek the one with our two and for the single people we said we will seek the one while we prepare for the two that God is going to send us after we seek God the second commitment we will keep together is that we will fight fair all right we will not stop fighting because stop fighting means quitting. and means just resigning to a bad marriage. We will fight. And we will duke it out. But we will do so in a godly manner. And you can fight in a godly way. Because you know that you can fight in an ungodly way. We talked about the different commitments that we're going to keep there. Most importantly, we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting for resolution. It's not about me winning or you winning. It's about us winning. After that, now that we're done fighting, we made up. We are going to our third commitment. We will... Have fun, and we will have all kinds of fun that we talked about together. And we don't need to get into all kinds of fun that we talked about there. If you missed that week, you're probably living a boring life, all right? We want to have fun, and we want to be best friends, and we want, like King Solomon said, my sister and my spouse. That's the goal, is that your spouse, okay, is your best friend in addition to being the one that you love so dearly. Number four, last week, we agreed, the fourth commitment we will keep is that we will... Stay pure. And we saw that when God says not even a hint of sexual immorality, he's not saying it because he doesn't want it, but because he knows it'll kill us. And he knows what it'll taste like in our soup if we end up having it in there. And number five, the commitment that we will speak about today is that we will never quit. We will never quit on our marriage. Let me preface it by saying this. And this, for the rest of the way, this applies to everything I'm saying. I'm not here in any way, shape, or form to condemn anyone whose marriage has ended or whose parents' marriage has ended. I'm not talking about past stuff. I'm talking about future stuff. Because you know and I know that there are many couples out there where one of the spouse fought and fought and fought. But as the expression goes, it takes two to tango. So I'm not here to say that if your marriage ended, that you're bad or condemn you, or anything like that, or your parents, or your brother, or your I'm not, I'm not at all. I'm talking future, I'm not talking backwards. Because we are talking from this day forward, that's why we got the little thing set up here, we're gonna make some commitments, and we're gonna have, you know, we're gonna make our promises going forward, and we're talking for better or worse from this moment forward. So don't nobody misinterpret what I'm saying, and think I'm talking to try to make you feel guilty, or anything like that. God knows that if you're the spouse, you're the person who fought, that you feel guilty enough. You got enough shame and guilt to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not here to add any more of that. But what I am do, here to do is to look forward for those who are married or will be married one day to see God's standard on how marriage works long-lasting. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 19 where our Lord Jesus Christ spoke about his theology on weddings and on marriage. He said the following. Verse 3. The Pharisees also came to him 
testing him and saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Let me go back and a little context here. Back in the old days, okay, in the biblical times, divorce was a very easy thing for men. All right, women had no rights. All right, women had no rights back in the culture, and women couldn't do anything. But men could treat women like sorry, okay, like a piece of property. And then men could say, I like that one, I'll take that one. Okay, I'm done with that one, I divorce her. And they could do that, all right? And that was just the way it was at the time. So now Jesus is going to respond to this, all right? And you see how he elevates, he goes beyond the cultural standards, and he goes up to a godly divine standard. Look what he says. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, For this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Boom. It says, forget about the culture. Don't tell me what the government says. Don't tell me what the state says. I'll tell you what God says. Two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Bible says, Jesus says, that what God has joined together, man cannot separate. When you think of divorce, and you think of ending it, you are doing something that is not possible. You are trying to do something which is not possible, which is when two become one, I read this one time in a book, it says what God has won, nobody can unwon. You're trying to do something that doesn't exist. All right, it isn't possible. And I was going to do a little demonstration here for you. If I get two pieces of cardboard, uh, construction paper, and I glue those two things together, all right, and I was going to do that, and this morning I asked Lizzie for the glue. Somehow we don't have any Elmer glue in the house. She gave me some sprinkly stuff, which got glitter all over me, and I didn't want to make a mess here. So you just have to visualize it here for me, because that's all we have is the glittery stuff. All right? If I get two pieces of construction paper, and I glue them together, and I keep them together for a week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, a year, five years, whatever it is, and then I try to pull them apart. Am I going to be able to? Am I going to be able to? No. Not without damaging both pieces significantly. You can try to divorce. And you can try to separate. And you can try. But you can't. This is why anybody who has either gone through a divorce or has lived through a parental divorce knows that it's not just like God's like, no, 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 please try not to not nice. He's saying, no, you're, you're, you're causing pain. You can't. Like, it's something that can't be undone. Like, I can't rip the paint off of this thing without damaging everything that's involved. I can't rip the skin from my bones without causing damage to my bones and my skin. And that's why divorce is so painful. Because you are trying to do something. You are trying to unwon what God has won and can't be done. We don't like that as our problem because we like the invention, the greatest invention in technology is something called the undo button. Is there a greater button in the whole wide world? I used to be a computer guy beforehand. And anytime something happened, you don't know what happened? Control Z, Control Z, Control Z. That's undo, all right? Just undo, doesn't matter what it was, just hit undo. And you can do anything you want, Control Z, fixes everything. Everything goes back to normal. We've gotten used to Control Z. We've gotten used to undone, but undone doesn't work in marriage. You cannot undone what God, or you cannot unwon what God has won. It's a difference 
between a contract and a covenant. People today view marriage as a contract. Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. What's the difference? A contract between two people is based on mutual distrust, isn't it? You live in my house, you sign this contract. It says you will pay on the first of the month. And if you pay, you get to live. And you get heat. And you get air conditioning. And you get access to the bathroom. But if you don't pay, you don't get any of that stuff. And why I make you sign a contract? Because I don't trust you. And you want to sign with me because you don't trust me. Contract is based on distrust. Covenant is based on commitment. And when we make a marriage, we don't make a marriage contract. We make a marriage covenant. And it's not a covenant between you and your spouse. It's not a covenant between you and your spouse. It's a covenant between three parties. Between God, you, spouse. You know how covenants used to work back in the day? Back in the Bible? They used to have some weird rituals for covenants. All right, y'all ever read this one? That when um, two people would make a covenant, all right, what would happen is, so we're going to make a covenant about whatever. They would take a bull or a cow, and they would slaughter that cow, and then they would cut it in half. Y'all ever read this? They would cut it in half, and then they would put half on this side, and half on this side, and then the two people in the covenant would walk up and down the aisle, like through the middle and back around, through the middle and back around, seven times. Why? What was the symbology? Symbology? Symbolism. <laughs> symbolism. Okay? What was the symbolism there? What was the meaning? Was that if anyone breaks this covenant, the other one has the right to do what to them? That. Slice them in half. That's what it was. Is that if any one of us breaks this covenant, then the other one has the legal right to slice them in half and split them open just like that. You don't break covenants. And when we made a marriage covenant, our marriage covenant was not a contract. All right? You look pretty, and then oh, I won't cheat on you. You talk to me, and I'll cook for you. You uh, be nice, and I'll be nice. You give me my needs, I'll give you your needs. That's a contract. That's not marriage. That's why last week I spoke about when the whole idea of my needs and his needs and her needs and all that stuff. I told you all my theory about that kind of stuff. Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is not conditional. Marriage is a covenant between you and God. Married people need to hear this. Single people need to hear this just as much. Because you are not entering into something that you can return after 30 days with a money back guarantee. You are entering a contract before Almighty God. <clears throat> that's why the name of this series is for better or for worse because the vows that we are making to seek God, fight fair, have fun stay pure, never quit you are not making it conditionally you are making it for better or for worse when he's good you make those commitments and when he's bad, you still fulfill those commitments you be the husbands and the wives the husband God has called you to be, regardless of how she's the wife or not that God called her to be. And same with the wives. You be the wife that God called you to be, regardless of whether or not he's the husband that God called him to be. For better or for worse, I'm standing in front of God and I'm saying, God, I'm going to love that woman even if it kills me or I kill her. One of us might kill each other, but we're not quitting on this thing. 
I actually read that, uh, I read that about uh, Billy Graham. His wife one time said about him. They asked Billy Graham's wife, y'all know this one? Okay, about, uh, did you ever like want to leave your husband? Did you ever want to divorce him because his schedule and he was always traveling and he'd be gone for like six months at a time? He said, no, I never wanted to leave him. Several times I wanted to kill him, but I never wanted to leave him. <laughs> That's the way marriage is supposed to be. We kill each other before we leave each other. So what do I do then, practically speaking, if my marriage stinks? What do I do? What do I do? Practically. My marriage stinks. What do I do? I'm not saying me, but I'm saying my marriage stinks. What do I do? Again, let me say one little preface so that nobody misinterprets what I'm about to say. Because sometimes you have a message, okay, and that's very clear, but then there's like 5% of the people that applies differently. So let me hit that 5% right now. If you are in an abusive relationship, all right, and your physical, emotional, spiritual health is at risk, I ain't telling you to just sit there and be a punching bag. No way. I'm also not telling you to end it. And what I would oftentimes say, okay, is that you need to take care of yourself and you need to find safety. And in fact, the best thing sometimes you can do for the long term of your marriage is actually take a little break. But even when I tell you to take a break, I'm telling you for the sake of fixing, not for the sake of pulling the plug. Does that make sense? Okay, so what everything else that I'm going to say right now doesn't apply if someone's getting beaten at home. doesn't apply, all right? But for those, we don't want to take that 5% and make a whole sermon around that 5%. I want to speak now to everybody else. I would say to you, quitting is not an option. What do I do? I agree. There's a lot of stuff we need to ask. But quitting isn't one of them. Because quitting is against the covenant that you made with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. But even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And a husband is not to divorce his wife. There's not much wiggle room there. There's not much wiggle room for, well, you know, I'm not happy. Or he's not meeting my needs. Or she's not good at whatever. There's not much wiggle room in don't depart, don't divorce. And even if you need to for a little, it's for the purpose of reconciliation, not for the purpose of quitting on it. I'm going to speak honestly, okay? Nobody get offended, right? When someone comes and tells me, I don't love her anymore. Okay? Quitting marriage because you don't love her anymore is like selling the car because it ran out of gas. What happens when the car runs out of gas? Go fill it up. What's the problem? You're driving a car, it starts with gas, it's going to run out of gas. You go to the gas station, you fill it up, and it's going to run out again. You go fill it up again. What's the problem? Marriage is going to be times where you hate each other's guts. What's the problem? You didn't know that in advance? There's going to be times you hate each other's guts. And there's going to be times you're not going to feel very loving, and you're not going to be very lovable. You go back, you invest in your marriage, you fix it. What's the problem? Tough times are inevitable. I don't trust him. That's inevitable times in your marriage. We fight all the time. That's inevitable times in your marriage. I don't want anybody to live like that for the rest of their marriage. But what I'm saying is, you can't let the tough times and just throw the car away. Well, it ran out of gas. That's part of owning a car. And part of having a marriage is going through the peaks and the valleys. That's one of the reasons why I said to the single people, this series, why it's so important for them because I want you guys to have a realistic expectation of what married life is like. 
And that's why I have no problem. I talk about the fights between me and Marianne all the time. I have no problem. I'm not sitting here and trying to pretend that our marriage is perfect. All right? I'm not sitting here and saying that we never fight. We never have problems. We have kids. Obviously, we have problems. Okay? <laughs> but we are committed that no matter what the problem is, we're going to seek God. We're going to fight fair. We're going to have fun. We're going to stay pure. We're never going to quit. And that's why we can stand up here and we can laugh and we can joke. And you know, like I said, at some point in time, we want to choke each other. Then we hug each other and everything is fine. That's how marriage life is. And I want you to have the proper expectation in your mind. That's also why seeking God is the most important part of all your commitments. Because there are some times where it is, let me say this very clearly, it is impossible to love your spouse. Sometimes. Sometimes it's easy to love your spouse. But sometimes it is flat out impossible. He's good at impossible things. Then the Bible say the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. His specialty is actually loving people that is very difficult to love. That's actually why we're sitting here today. Because he's very good at loving people who don't deserve to be loved. That's like his, his number one, that's like his special move. All right? That's his move. It's someone who can't, doesn't deserve love? Okay, let me, bring them to me. Not because I will love them, but because I am love. And everywhere I go, I am love. And that's why when he's not in a marriage, you got no shot at it. But when he is in the marriage, all things are possible through him. So, to every single person out here, we are making the commitment that we will never quit. We will never quit. Now, I'm going to go back to that question I asked, what if my marriage stinks? What am I supposed to do? Now, we already agree you're not going to quit. But what am I supposed to do? Just be miserable for the rest of my life? No, I want you to be miserable for the rest of your life. I want you to take action. But I want you to take the right action. But I want you to take the action that the Bible tells us to take when it comes to solving any problem in life, which actually was very connected to the gospel that we read earlier today, which is the principle of sowing and reaping. Very simple principle applies to every aspect of life. It's biblical. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For who... For he who sows to his flesh, will the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit, will the Spirit reap everlasting life. He who is seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, seeking God, will find some fruit from that. He was fighting to stay pure, fighting to stay pure. He was fighting fair. He who was doing these things will find fruit. He who was doing the opposite of these things will find corruption. Keeps going. Here's your verse. Every married person, especially those who are struggling today, here's your verse. You tattoo it on your forehead. You write it wherever it is you need to. You memorize this verse. You live by this verse for the rest of your life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Again, say it with me. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Say it with me like you're awake. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You got to memorize that. And like I said, plaster it on your forehead. And that's all I want you to see is that in due season we shall reap. The principle of sowing and reaping, let me break it down into two points. Point number one is you, you reap what you sow. Logic. You reap what you sow. If you sow good, you will reap good. If you sow bad, you will reap bad. Logic. Apple seed, apple tree. Orange seed, orange tree. No one in the history of all humanity has ever sown an apple seed and gotten an orange tree. And no one 
in marriage should expect that they will sow bad and reap good. So if you want to reap good, start sowing good. You know what? Your wife or your husband, okay, but I'll speak from a husband's perspective. You know what your spouse is? I'll tell you what my wife is. Right? You know when you go to those carnivals or those fun house, those mirrors, those crazy mirrors, okay? Which, what's a crazy mirror do? You look into the crazy mirror and it makes you tall or makes you big or makes your head, okay, you know what I'm saying? It takes the image that you give it and it makes it bigger. I feel like that's what marriage is. That when I give my wife good, I actually get more good back. And when I give my wife listening, I get understanding. You give your spouse criticism, oh, you'll get it back. Wise man once said, you give them a hard time, they'll give you help. <laughs> you will get back multiplied what you give in marriage. So ask yourself, not what am I receiving, ask yourself, what am I giving? You give criticism, you give complaining, you give nitpicking, you get what you give multiplied. You give good, you get good. You give, you give bad, you get bad. Husbands, you give kindness. Actually, I'm start with the wives. Wives, you give respect. You give understanding. You give support. You give encouragement. You know what you'll get back? You'll get back a husband who loves you and will bend over backwards, break his back to make you happy. Husbands, you give kindness. You give affection. You give listening. You give all those things that your wife needs. You know what you'll get back? Belly to belly time. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Y'all sit there and act all mature. Am I wrong, ladies, in that? Uh, let's just move on. <laughs> the bottom line is, if you don't like what you're getting, take a look at what you've been giving. If you don't like what you've been getting, take a look at what you've been giving. You reap what you sow. Number two, you reap where you sow. And this is an important one. You reap not only what you sow, but you reap where you sow. In my garden, if I had a garden, but in my garden and in your garden, what's the part that yields the most fruit? The part that you invest the most in. And some people say, you ever heard the expression, the grass is greener on the other side. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener wherever you put more water. And if you are spending your whole time looking at the neighbor's grass on the other side and checking out how he is investing in his grass, and you're just watching yours rot, then yeah, the grass will be greener on the other side. Well, you need to stop comparing and stop complaining and get the hose and water your own lawn and invest in your own lawn. And I'll be honest, this is where a lot of our marriages are at today. We have a lot of distracted marriages. I just don't get it. Distracted marriages. Investing in many, 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 many things outside of marriage. Career and investing and studying and staying up late and everything for the career, the career, the career. All right? 
You invest all your time, your energy, and your career. What do you think is going to happen in your marriage? You expect your marriage is going to be good by itself? You invest in your hobby, and you know, you're like the greatest Xbox guy in the whole wide world, right? And you kick all the other guy Xbox butts, okay? That's the best. What do you think is going to happen in your marriage? Like, you cannot invest in all these other aspects of your life and expect that your marriage is going to be very fruitful on its own. That's why I believe this. I believe that your marriage, let's be honest, your marriage is as good as you decide it's going to be. I say that to couples, they want to throw their shoe at me sometimes. They say, no, it's bad because he's bad. It's bad because she's bad. Your marriage is going to be as good as you two decide. Now with that said, like I said in the beginning, sometimes one person may say, I choose, and I agree, that this person cannot overcome that person. But I don't want to just automatically assume that that's the situation. Because that ain't, that ain't, that ain't, definitely doesn't start that way. If it's that way now, it definitely didn't start that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. Your marriage is as good as you choose that it's going to be. Some of you sit here, you listen to me say, seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never quit. You say, oh, that's very, very nice. Ah, but who's got the time? Ah, life is busy these days. I'm telling you, you will reap what you sow and you will reap where you sow. And if you say, well, who's got the time? Life is busy right now. So don't be surprised when you end up in my office in a different kind of shape and form with your marriage. And don't be surprised when you're having the discussion about should I quit or should I not quit? If you didn't commit to seeking God, to fighting fair, to having fun and staying pure, then you're going to have to face this never quit decision and it might be one of the hardest decisions you've ever faced in your life. And I'm telling you, this commitment that you are making, these commitments, these five commitments, they will pay dividends down the road in your marriage in ways that you won't see the direct connection. It's the same way that you don't see the direct connection between eating healthy today and not having a heart attack tomorrow. But when you make these commitments, they will pay dividends and the flip. Like I said, I shared you all last week. I know when I am not good at keeping these commitments, when we struggle to keep these commitments, when, when our time, and we're not able to have that face-to-face -face time like we need, when maybe we're, I'm lax on the, on the staying pure, and maybe our, our, our seeking God time isn't as diligent as it used to be, I see the effects. And I told you, I see the effects in my kids. I see the effects in everything. Because your marriage is as good as you decide it's going to be. All right, let me go one step further. To the one who says, okay, Father Anthony, I agree with everything you said. But I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I agree I should. I don't feel like it. I don't want to make up. I don't want to forgive I don't want to get past it. I don't want to be nice. I don't want to. You know what I'd say to you? I'd say, okay, big boy. You don't want to. Tell me one other area of life of significance where you do what you want to do and that's it. I don't want to go to work today. I don't feel like it. <laughs> okay, then you don't eat today. feel like driving the speed limit. I'm sick and tired of it. I don't want to pay taxes. It doesn't work like that. So my advice to you, in the famous words of someone who I won't say who their name is, I say, suck it up, buttercup. And I say, life isn't about doing just what you feel like doing. 
And sometimes you don't feel like seeking God. You stand up and you seek God. And sometimes you don't feel like playing nice. You play nice because you made a covenant with God. And life isn't about feelings. There's no other aspect of life that we allow our feelings to guide us and control us except somehow in this area of marriage. Well, I just don't feel like it. Uh, I, 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 I don't feel it anymore. No other aspect of life. No one just wake up and say, I don't feel like working anymore. Uh, I don't feel like abiding by the rules of this country anymore. Why in marriage do we allow our feelings to dictate behavior but nowhere else we would? That's why series is called for better or for worse. When I'm feeling it and when I'm not feeling it. And when I want to and when I don't want to. Now, with that said, I'm not saying you just suck it up, grin and bear it, just be miserable for the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I'll make a commitment that even when things are rough, that I'm going to fight my guts out to make it good and to do whatever it is that I can do. And sometimes I'm not going to feel like wanting to do it. And sometimes my wife's not going to feel like it. But we're going to do it. And you're going to do it as well. And you will reap the rewards of that down the road. Back to this verse. I want you to think to yourself. Okay, this verse says that we shall reap. We do not lose heart. It says keep on sowing. Keep on sowing. Don't grow weary. All right. It's tiring. And it's tough. And you don't want... Keep on sowing, keep on sowing, and you shall reap in due season. Let me ask you this. Let's uh, brainstorm. What do you think that we shall reap? What do you think that harvest is going to look like? What is that for you in your marriage, current or future? What is that? Is that peace? Is that oneness? Is that companionship, like a best friend. Like, that's what it is. That I shall reap the very best friend of my life for the rest of my life. The person that I can be totally myself with and will love me and support me exactly as I am, the same way God does. Could that be the harvest? How about healing? How about forgiveness? Somehow I feel like this word, we shall reap, has a lot of stuff inside. And if we just spend more time meditating on that, what is it that I want to reap in my marriage? And all of a sudden, maybe we find more motivation to sow a few more seeds, to invest a little bit more in the marriage, to put the stuff in that I know God wants me to put in to my marriage. This isn't going to be easy. And because it's not going to be easy, all right, we're going to do something a little crazy right now. Y'all ready to do something a little crazy? I've been doing crazy stuff all throughout the series. This would be nothing compared to what we did the past several weeks. We are right now, all right, going to have a little ceremony, all right? And I think the kids are back there. Are the kids back there? Okay. Someone can. We are going to have a little wedding ceremony, and I hope that everybody is sitting next to their spouse, all right? And if they are, maybe someone can uh, let them know that, yeah, they're waiting for me. Alright, we're going to bring these guys in. Alright, everyone's going to give them, take a look here at what we see.
Aren't they cute? Aren't they cute? Yeah, give them a big hand. Alright, here's what we're going to do. And we brought witnesses here. So we are going to do it the right way. Anyone? <laughs> Look, when we got married, you got married in an Orthodox Church, you never got a chance to make vows. And I like that, and I discussed before why the Orthodox ceremony is beautiful, because actually we don't make vows because God makes the vows. But now that we're married, all right, we can take it and make it a little bit more personable right here. So here's what we're going to do, and I hope you're next to your spouse. I'm going to ask all the married people to stand up. All right? And I'm going to ask you to hold your spouse hand. Stand up right now. Stand up. Stand up. Find your spouse. Find your spouse. Yeah, Marianne, come up here too. Yeah, come Marianne. Come here. Yeah. I'm a participant and a celebrant here. Come here. We are going to have a little wedding ceremony. All right? A renewal. I shouldn't say renewal. We are going to revive and refresh the vows in our marriage all new. I'm the priest, you're the youth. <laughs> Dearly beloved, I put time into this, okay? We are gathered here today to renew our covenant with our God and with our spouse. Because we see that the state of marriages in this country stinks and we refuse to accept that for our marriages. And even if every other marriage in the whole wide world is going to go down the toilet, my marriage will not and neither will yours. We will fight for our marriages. And because of that, we are committing that we are going to do this marriage thing God's way. We are committing to five vows, for better or for worse. You're going to repeat after me. I commit to seeking God. I will make time to pray alone and with you. Say this to your spouse. I commit to fighting fair. I will fight for resolution, not for victory. I will fight for resolution, not for victory. I commit to having fun. I will set aside time to make us best friends again. I commit to staying pure. No cat poop in our marriage. If you weren't here last week, don't worry. That's a very deep, okay. We'll, we'll fill you in later. Final one. I will never quit. I will never quit. I will never, ever, ever quit. Because what God has... Because what God has joined together... I cannot separate. Everyone bow your heads for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we don't want these vows to be something that we just say and in one ear and out the other. But Lord, we're really praying that you would do a great work in our marriages. Revive our marriages, Lord. Let our marriages to be pleasing to you and glorifying to you. And let us understand that harvest that you spoke about. Let us reap, Lord, the great things that you designed for marriages to be. That we would be sister and spouse. That we would be best friends, Lord, with the people that you joined us together with. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep the words, the big word that we just said. 
you would help us to keep those words and let us to see the fruit of them in our marriages. Lord, I pray also for the single people and all of us married people who are praying for the single people because we know the tough road that's in front of them. Lord, guide them and show them the path that you have for them and guide them into the, the, the choices that you want them to make and let them to start living these commitments now, Lord, especially the staying pure thing. Let them to live those, that commitment now so they'll be ready for you and for the, the perfect plan that you have for them. Lord, lift up and raise up the state of marriages in our country. Give us, Lord, to, to have a next generation of children that sees happy marriages and, 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 and peaceful marriages and desires that we set like something that they desire to, to achieve one day as well. Bless us, dear Lord, with your hand of blessing. We seek you, Lord, because we know that without you we have nothing. With you, Lord, we have everything. We thank you so much for that. Accept our prayers this day in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ with the intercessions and prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Give a big hand to our merry couple. All right. Alright, married couples, you can rejoice by keeping some of those commitments, especially the third week commitment. Okay, hopefully y'all can do some of that and remember that, uh, that marriage is supposed to be for having fun. Congratulations on reaching to the end of this series. I'm not going to stop praying for the marriages. Alright, I really am hopeful that we'll see a change in the future direction of marriages in our church. We're done for today. You all have a happy Thanksgiving. I just want to remind you guys that next week, we will not be having the well next week. It's Thanksgiving weekend. So we actually have a very fun event. We have a social that we're going to have a lunch together after the liturgy during this time.